Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to Illuminate Greatness. I am really excited about today's podcast because we are connecting with Bonnie Shaw. She is the co-founder of Clearpoint Agency, um, which she co-founded in August of 2002. Bonnie oversees client accounts and creates dynamic campaigns for Clearpoint clients. And this includes messaging, branding, media relations, and social media marketing. She previously worked as a public relations account supervisor for McCorder Group. And fun fact, I was an intern at McCorder Group back in 2001, and that's how I met Bonnie. And what I think is so special about the crew at McCorder Group is that so many of us stayed in touch, even though I was an intern. So it just gives you an idea of such a warm group of people. Prior to McCorder Group, she did so many other amazing things, including working for the National MS Society. She worked for San Diego Magazine, which I didn't know, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about. She also worked at the San Luis Obispo Chamber of Commerce in charge of events and publications. And one thing I do know to be true is that Bonnie is very relationship-focused, hence staying connected with the measly little intern I was all those years back. But thank you so much for being here today, Bonnie. I am so excited to talk to you about B2B PR. Thanks, Jen. I'm so happy to be here, too, talking with you after... Um, well, it's, we actually spoke a couple of months ago. Yes. We caught up on PR and all of that. And of course, you were an intern at McCorder Group when I was an account supervisor there. And so we've known each other a long time. Yeah, definitely. I always reach out to Bonnie when I have questions about the serious stuff in PR. All of we do a lot of consumer facing things that have a lot to do with arts organizations and community-wide events. And so every once in a while, I get a hard call for what is essential in what I call sort of like the smart PR world. And Bonnie is who I always reach out to. So I am excited because I want to hear a little bit first. Well, I know a lot about your story, but I want the people listening to hear a little bit about your story and your journey through PR. You had so many different things that you did before McCorder Group and then maybe talk a little bit about what inspired you to launch ClearPoint. Sure. So as you mentioned, we worked together, you as an intern and and I as an account supervisor at McWhorter Group. And at that time, it was when the tech bubble burst, when all the dot-coms were having some problems, you know, VC money was drying up. The agency that you and I worked at was having some issues. Uh, There were layoffs. Uh, A lot of really great people were laid off due to cancellations of contracts, basically clients going away, right? So from that time, I thought to myself, you know, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think I can do this. So uh, when I was eventually laid off, I'm not sure what number employee I was at that time. We had about 50 employees at the agency. By the time I left, I think there was maybe around eight or 10 employees. At any rate, when I left McCorder Group, I got calls from some some clients that had canceled their contracts 
and said, hey, I'd like to still work with you. So I had an agency. That's how it started. And I, of course, partnered with Beth Walsh. Yeah, fantastic. Beth was also at McCorder Group. And one of my favorite stories about Beth is that I had my little intern desk in the hallway on the way to her office. And she would kind of walk by. And I think it was Greg's dog that used to follow her into the office. And I kind of just thought my place as an intern was to sit in the corner and just keep my head down. And then one day somebody on the team got married and we all went to the wedding and Beth looked over at me and said, who are you? (laughs) Tell me who you are. (laughs) And I said, well, I was an intern at McCorder Group. And she said, what? Oh my gosh. Well, how come you never said hi? And she said to me, that I should never allow people to, like, I should never pay much attention to the hierarchy and that I should always make sure that I introduce myself and get to know people, that people in higher positions are really eager to connect with everyone on the team and that just speaking out really is important. And so I remember taking that advice and really applying that every step of my career. And I just, it's always such like, a sweet memory of her looking at me and saying, well, now who are you? (laughs) So she's absolutely wonderful as well. Can you talk a little bit about the kinds of clients that you work with at ClearPoint and your services and what you offer them as well? Right. We handle a lot of B2B clients. We do some B2C. Sometimes we work with B2B to C, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there are companies that they, some of their publics are other businesses, and they also work towards the end consumer. Got it. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So the hot topic that I discussing on a daily basis with different businesses and different people in our industry, and it seems like even in conversations with family and friends, we're constantly talking about how this pandemic world has impacted not only what we do as PR professionals, but how it's impacting business strategy and decisions. And I'd love to hear from you a little bit about what it was like over the last two and a half years and how it shifted in your business. And then if we could maybe bring it to date and talk a little bit about this sort of post-pandemic world. I know we're still in it, coming out of it, but how it is impacting the process of strategy and the decisions that you're making for your clients and or guiding them to. Right. Really interesting question. So we work with technology companies, financial services, some life sciences, some real estate. And during the time of the pandemic, because a lot of our clients' customers are other businesses, Mm -hmm. they really needed to be reassured that everything was going to run smoothly, right? I think everybody felt like the floor was just dropping out. from. How do you reassure a business that everything is going to run smoothly when (laughs) you are not sure yourself. Tell me a little bit about that process. (laughs) Right. Well, we really counsel our clients to be confident, over-communicate. Let's reassure them our technologies are in place. We're here working remotely, but we're here for you 24-7. We are here by Zoom, telephone, all of that, but really show confidence. That's That's what we counseled. That's fantastic. And we also wanted our clients to communicate to their customers, their clients from really the C-suite. We really recommended that leadership send them a personal note, talking about their confidence, reassuring them. We think that that's really important as well. I think it's one thing to have your salespeople, your account 
reps, let's say your account managers get on the phone or send emails or something like that. But it's another when the CEO sends you an email and, or, you know, even the, the CFO, CMO, you know, somebody at the C-level, I think if, if they send out that message, it really does instill. Somebody's at the helm, somebody is in charge and I know everything's in place. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. In terms of actually facilitating campaigns, we were heavily impacted from a media relations standpoint in regard to strategy and messaging for clients Mm -hmm. in terms of securing media coverage. How did it impact media traction during that time? And did you have to pivot as much with your messaging or was it a little bit of business as usual? I'm curious how that worked. Well, I think that that's interesting. I think when we were reaching out to the media, it was a little business as usual. However, I think you have to be mindful when you're pitching, when COVID numbers are spiking, things are happening, and you know, there's a new, let's say, a renewed mask mandate. You know, people are really worried. Or if in a community, you know, something's going on, I, I think you have to be really sensitive to that. I don't think it could be, it should be business as usual because listen, everybody was running a business, right? Yeah. And we handle technology and technology companies were actually doing quite well then, right? People were reaching out for new technologies and things like that. But even though you're doing well, you also have to be sensitive to what everybody else is going through. So I think that you do need to look at messaging, but really messaging is at the center of everything that we do for our clients. We're really big on making sure that you do have those key messages. So I mentioned to you, we really recommended that our clients at the beginning of the pandemic send out direct letters and emails and things like that to to their customers. Well, we didn't have them write it. We sat down with them and said, what is it that we want to say? Where do you think that their fears lie? What is it that we need to communicate? And then we help them develop those messages. And we do that for every campaign that we do. Absolutely. It's so interesting to hear that from the business standpoint, of course, from a consumer facing Mm -hmm. approach everything really did shift to a heart-centered focus. And it sounds very similar in what you're saying that it really goes down to this personal human experience that we were all having. That saying of we were all in the same boat, but different kinds of boats for different kinds of situations. Right. (laughs) And it's really interesting to think about it because I had so much curiosity about what other people were going through during the time because you, number one, you're sitting in isolation, working through all these things, really trying to connect with other professionals. I think so often we would call people and say, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how you're approaching this because it's so interesting. Definitely different when you're handling community events and cancellations and things like that. But I love the really personal approach that you talk about Now, we're sort of in this post-pandemic place, and Mm. there is a little bit of divisiveness, of course, in perspective of who did well through it, who struggled through it, what kind of companies really thrived. How do you navigate this post-pandemic world, and does it impact or shift your approach now? Is it more of a continuum? I'm curious to hear how this stage and this pandemic experience, which It's interesting because like up here in Washington, it feels like we're a little delayed to what's happening down in California. I felt like when I visited California this summer, it was business as usual. And I don't know, most of your clients are national, correct? Yeah, national. We we do have some local, but definitely national. The situation that we've come up now in this sort of post-pandemic world, right, is this going back to in-person events. 
Mm -hmm. right? All of our clients are ready now to strike up their conferences, start going to conferences. Some of them are going to conferences. Some people are going to some of these events and they're, they're getting COVID. So how do you handle that, right? How do you handle, are you going to ask them for a vaccination card? Are you going to ask people to please not show up if they're feeling ill? How do you handle that? That to me is where we're really at. I have some clients that say, look, they're all adults. Everybody can do what they want if I decide to have an event. And then I have some clients that say, well, I think that we should ask people to be vaccinated if they come to our conference or a meetup or something like that. So that's what I'm seeing right now is happening. Absolutely. So that discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Community-wide events, that discussion has been going on for quite some time. So it's so interesting. And even just as a consumer or a business owner myself, seeing what I'm comfortable with, what I feel ready to do. And it's so interesting taking that first step, like that first time that I went to a networking event, the first time that I went to a happy hour, the first time of each, I just went the other day to my first indoor event with a lot of people in two and a half years. And I'm somebody who loves being in crowded places and anxiety was running high. I was kind of sitting there wishing that they had asked for some sort of validation of vaccination or that person that's coughing three rows behind me, what's happening there. Right, <laughs> can, right. Can I give them a card and ask somebody to check on them? Um, it's such a weird place that we're all in, but yeah, I find all of that so fascinating. So do you have a sort of standard protocol for guiding a client through making those decisions and how have your clients been receptive? What do you see as the standard practice right now? Or is there even a standard? I don't think that there is a standard practice. You know, I think that we're just having these conversations. So I'll give you an example. We represent UBS and they were the title sponsor for the Art San Diego event Mm. that happened on Friday. And I didn't see any, you know, signage or anything that was up for Art San Diego. They weren't really insisting on showing a vaccination card or anything like that. I maybe saw through the whole show, maybe five or six people in masks. It was pretty open and it it was indoors. But I think people in San Diego are feeling pretty secure. Our numbers are low. I think people are are feeling pretty secure. Now I have another client in New York that pre-pandemic, they were doing an annual conference and they were considering doing it this fall, but they've decided not to just because New York things spike in different ways and they just wanted to table it for one more year. So that's what I mean. It's sort of different between different types of clients, the geography, what's happening. So when we counsel them, if they ask our advice, I mean, they have to feel comfortable. They're putting a lot of time and energy and resources into these events. So they have to feel really confident about it, but we give them a space to talk about it. We also talk in terms of you know, their goals and their publics that they're serving, you know, where are we on those objectives? I mean, this is a very important conference for our client in New York, but they just didn't feel like it was worth it just where things were in New York. So it really is really interesting. Like here in Washington, before I left for the summer to spend in San Diego, masks were everywhere. I mean, you would think we were still in somewhat of a lockdown. And then I got to California and I was in a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah. And I found myself terrified the first week and then just so grateful after that point, like after I saw that everything was going to be okay. And then I came back here and it was like somewhere in the middle of summer, everything caught on and people sort of started moving forward. 
But it really is so interesting how it's so specific to, you know, to each region. And so, yeah, I grapple with that because I do work from here with a lot of my clients in Southern California and really all over the nation. And so staying current on what it's like today. And it's so helpful to know that the other parts of the country are a little bit further along. It just gives me some hope that we're going to get back right. to like some normalcy. Yeah. So in terms of business strategy with yeah. this sort of balance of identifying who's ready to move forward and who's not ready to move forward, what are some other areas where you're seeing some of the biggest changes? For example, in our space that we're in, digital marketing has played such a big role in how we function that even like new media coming out, digital media, traditional publications folding, and just looking at how much traction it takes to get the same sort of result that we used to get in the past. Like a Today Show segment, for example, would just give a huge groundswell of opportunity for a client. Whereas now today, because of all of the digital video platforms and different opportunities for people to consume news media or just media in general, not as many people are sitting to watch a traditional Today Show episode. So we're seeing that maybe a little bit of a smaller impact and we're having to secure coverage in so many different places. And so I'd love to hear from a B2B perspective if new digital media has really impacted your strategy from a media coverage perspective. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no doubt about it. You know, the past 10 years alone, I think digital media has really changed the way that we all consume our news, right? Yes. Where maybe you'd get the daily paper or you'd get business publication, like a weekly, let's say like your San Diego Business Journal or something like that. And you'd read it cover to cover at your desk. Now we're all looking to digital platforms to get our news. Most of us are. And that means I think the last 20 years, uh, newspapers have seen like 50% of their ad revenues go away. Mm -hmm. And the last 10 years alone, about 25% of trade publications, periodicals, those types of things, just in the last 10 years, have seen their sales drop about 25%. And I mean, ad sales, right? Right. So what that means, you know this, Jen, when they aren't selling advertising or they're closing, of course, <laughs> the editorial space or real estate, as I like to call it, goes away, right? Yeah. Or it's reduced. So there's less opportunity, less space for us to secure. Right. It goes, yeah, it goes away. If, if, of course, if the publication folds, it reduces. So if revenue falls by 25%, then that means that editorial is going to fall by 25% or more right? We're also losing reporters at these and writers at these publications, right? So we don't have as many contacts. So what that means is we don't have the opportunity that we used to have in earned media, free media to those in your audience that don't know that. So that's getting one of our clients placed in a story or getting a feature article about them is much more difficult these days. You know that from being absolutely. I'm curious from a thought leadership perspective, because one of the things that I'm seeing lately on the rare occasion that we have to send out more of a business type pitch, right. we get so many responses for contributed article submissions with a fee. Right. And so how much of your, you know, in the early days when I worked in a lot of real estate, it was advertorial. And it's sort of like this reemergence of advertorial that's happening with the restrictions that it has to be editorial. And right. so I'm curious how much of traditional pitching in your world has transitioned to paid 
placements that are structured like editorials? Well, that's interesting because not that much, I have to say, on the business side. So we take a very vertical approach. So let's say we have a client that really does business with institutional investors, let's mm-hmm. say. They need to communicate and really, and you know, let's say they do technology for investments, right? They're going to go for that vertical, a very techie vertical that talks to them, right? Very business to business. So what we typically are suggesting now is if we can't get a lot of really good earned media for something, let's say, and, and this real estate is becoming more precious and, and it's more difficult now to do, we do recommend guest articles or contributed articles. Okay. But what's interesting is most of the time we're not asked to pay for them. And I think it's the types of verticals that we are actually approaching, right? Right. Uh, the same with healthcare and all of that. What we find is that they're actually, we just had a, something yesterday where Four articles came in for article opportunities, let's say, that we pitched, came in for one client and one category. Four Mm -hmm. really good verticals, four really good trades for us. Not one of them asked for payment. That's fantastic. We we aren't seeing that. We really aren't seeing that. might be some of the general ones like Forbes, Council, and I think I saw one recently for Fast Company and where they're sort of creating this separate opportunity to monetize content. I am but also seeing said, I, I hate to you, That's okay. Said, I think more of the business publications are asking for a fee, more of your business journals and those yes. types of things where there were a few years ago we might be placing an article, a guest article that you know the editor says, hey, this is a fantastic topic. I want to hear what your client says. Of course it can't be promotional in any way. Now they're saying no, we're you know we're charging a fee for that. Yeah, uh, and so then our clients are asking us to help them with that. Yeah. The other thing we see so much on the consumer side is the affiliate link. If there isn't an affiliate link, it's changed significantly. And that's fascinating because it really just changes the whole dynamics of media relations as we've known it for so many years. The other thing that I still find fascinating though, is regional publications like in San Diego, the San Diego Union Tribune really still produce the most impact for clients. And I see that city, you know, from city to city, that regional publication, though everyone says they don't read a paper, for some reason still generates traction on ticket sales. And I'm curious if there is a similar correlation for your clients when they are in their big major newspaper, if they're still seeing results, because we do. Absolutely. They love it. And they love getting coverage in, in the newspapers. But think about it. People may not be reading the newspaper, but I subscribe to, you know, the UT. I read it on my computer. And if I see a story that's really super interesting, it makes it easier for me to pass it on to a couple of other people that I think will really feel that it's beneficial for them to read it. So I think those hits are very effective and our clients do love them. But again, let's, when we were talking at the top of the conversation, we were talking about you know, newspapers over the last 18 years have seen 50% of their ad revenues go. And actually pretty interesting, yesterday I read that for the first time ever in 2021, subscriptions or circulation surpassed ad revenue for newspapers wow. as a whole. So people have really gotten behind, hey, we want, you know, we want to save our local paper or we want to save some of the nationals like Washington Post and, you know, New York Times and things like that. 
they really got a surge in subscriptions over the last couple of years because of the climate, you know, the political climate, the pandemic, you know, th those types of things. So I think that there's a lot of people still reading them. It's mm -hmm. interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually wrote an article that was picked up in one of the, the PR publications, and it really was advertised in newspapers and magazines, you might just save American journalism. I was a little fired up because I was reading of these publications that were closing you know, or writers that were losing their jobs and then more writers wearing different hats. You know, you, where you used to have one person covering one beat, now you might have one person covering three beats, right? And so they can't Absolutely. cover everything. And these things have really been reduced because the advertising revenue has gone down. Where is it going? It's going digital. Mm -hmm. I find in the PR world, you know, we're, we're talking to our clients all the time and, you know, they're talking about traffic to their websites and they're talking about lead generation and landing pages and those types of things. And I think that there's a place for that, but I think that we have to be really careful our balance of the budget, you know, where we're spending. hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because for a little while, there was such a push. I want to move everything to social media. Exactly. But I will tell you, even as an agency at Olive, we outsource all of our social media now to a contractor because when we had social media in-house, it sort of, instead of people seeing it as part of the mix, it was like they all started wanting to really focus on it. But I really started to see the results taper off. And I thought, this is not a strategic model for my business because what I'm seeing is clients are seeing the sparkly social media and they're wanting to shift their strategy all to social media because of the buzzwords out in the world. But right. when I'm looking at bottom lines, true conversions and cost per customer, I'm seeing that a media hit in the Union Tribune or the New York Times or in one of these other traditional outlets that has also found ways to reach their audiences through digital marketing is still getting more traction. And so I made a strategic decision to say, we still have clients in our portfolio that are media relations and social media, right. but clients at Olive are committed to securing media coverage. They're committed to community activations and things like that, because that's where we see the real tried and true consistent traction that sustains strategic campaign versus some things that look really pretty and everyone talks about them being important, but they're a piece, not, they can't be the whole campaign. Right. And what we always counsel our clients about is, look, it's implied third-party endorsement. People are sophisticated enough to know, look, a writer and an editor looked at your story and said, you know what, this is valuable. This is news. I'm going to run it in my paper. I'm not charging them advertising. I need to run this or, or the magazine, whatever it is. It's important enough that we should be reporting it to the public, right? Mm -hmm. And so that really adds to that credibility quotient, I like to call it, right? And if you mm -hmm. keep getting these, it go, wow, the newspaper's covering them, this magazine's covering them. They're getting this earned media coverage. I must pay attention. They have something here. They aren't buying ads. But when you buy an ad, a consumer or one of your clients knows that you purchased that ad. They know that. They know that social media is being written by you. So yeah, sure. They like it. They look at it. There's a place for it. You know, I'm a fan of integrated programs. Absolutely. works together. We often say it's really hard to create a great meal in half a kitchen, right? You can't really create it without an oven. You can't create it without a stove. It's the same with an integrated program. 
you need your digital marketing, you need your PR, you need your advertising, you need all of these things. But PR is really that piece, I think, that adds that credibility, that implied third-party endorsement, really holds up your reputation as a thought leader, an expert, somebody who should be paid attention to. And we've had some clients in the past that have gone on hiatus And I've talked to them after that and they've come back and said, wow, we really missed that coverage. We didn't realize that that was really part of our story and really did tell our story of credibility and thought leadership, as I said. Yeah, I hear that all the time. I also think people are surprised by how much of a commitment and long-term investment that PR is that when you do take a pause and you start over. I think sometimes clients want to just like press start where they left off, but there is an interesting cycle that takes place. And there is a momentum building because there are so many people communicating powerful messages out there that you really do sometimes have to start from scratch and build right back into that lead time. Is that something that you see in B2B as well? Oh, all the time. So let's say, you know, we have had clients in the past, let's say something's going on in their business and they need to go on hiatus or something like that. And they say, we'd like to start back up in three months. And we try to discourage that. We want to be good partners, but it's exactly what you said, Jen. You have this momentum going, right? And maybe you've been working for six months to a year and all of a sudden you have a share of voice that's much greater than the client's competitors. Mm -hmm. And I always fear, and I've seen it happen, that all of a sudden their share of voice is going to really surpass that of the client if you do take a hiatus or a break. And that's why we really try to encourage our clients don't think of a PR program less than a year. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it'll be much longer than that. One of the things that we've been really successful at at ClearPoint Agency is we have our clients for a long time. I did a calculation a couple of months ago and the average client we have is seven years and we've had some for 13. Just had a call today with a client. We've been working with them six years. We've been working with UBS for about eight years. So, you know, they really see the wisdom of this momentum. Mm -hmm. They know that it is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, we're going for a long, it's a long-term play. It really is. Yes. Yes. I love those long relationships. I think they say so much about what you are providing and offering and so much about our industry. I think it's such an interesting time because you hear certain people trying to defend some of these changes and how public relations is a dying industry. And I'm always standing there going, you can say whatever you want, but I'm going to tell you that messaging is so important. And no matter what, I always hear Glenn Broom in my head saying, public relations is a mutually beneficial relationship between an organization and its public for which its success or failure depends upon. And the reason it's so important is yes, while some of those traditional media outlets are no longer around and maybe the sections are a little bit smaller that we are trying to secure coverage in. We are still responsible for finding creative ways to get that message out. And it's not just media relations. It is so many different things, including the social media content, including the email marketing, including the community activations and so much more. And so it's really interesting to hear the miss the you know sort of this misperception out there about yeah, our industry yeah. i think what's difficult for some is that they and i've heard this word for word i can't draw a straight line from your pr efforts 
you know, from your earned media to business. I can't see where that resulted in a sale. I can't see where that really increased my lead generation because I'm doing all of these other things at the same time, right? I can't point to something. So I think that there's a couple of problems going on there, right? I don't think that the PR, and maybe it's different for you, but in business to business, public relations, we aren't always a lead generation tool, right? Mm -hmm. We are amping up the credibility. We are getting thought leadership out there. We're building a strong reputation, you know, representing what the company is all about. So that, so we really build up that trust. Now, what I usually say to people is, okay, so let's say you have, you have a, a sales force, right? And they're out and they're, they're talking to prospects all of the time. And they say, Hey, I'd really like to, you know, get on the phone with you and let's talk about our product, right? This is another business, right? This is a savvy business person. What's the first thing that, that you think that they're going to do? They're going to Google the company. They're going to mm-hmm. see what you've been doing. What have you been up to? What is this company all about? What is it? They see they got it hit in a couple of papers and a couple of trade magazines. Positive things were said. They've won a couple of awards, which is something that you know PR practitioners such as you and I do. We submit our clients for awards. So they see all of these really strong credibility builders. And they think, you know, I think I'm going to take a call with that sales guy. This is a really interesting company. They're really doing something. I noticed that they're announcing other customers. I noticed that they're announcing milestones. They are really doing something here that, that I want to hear more about. So I really think of PR as really supporting that, that sales infrastructure, almost an unsung hero, if you will. But it's interesting, Jen, because I just finished a blog about measuring PR. And I sat down and I said, okay, I'm just going to go through everything, every way that you can measure if PR is working, right? I came up with 10 different ways. So it may be that PR practitioners such as you and I, we're not out there really telling them about that. You know, we're looking at these things, but you know, it's everything from, you know, Google Analytics to seeing a spike in your social media to impressions. How do you measure that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's really important? What's a high value site? You know, if you get an earned media opportunity in a high value site, you know, and you do get a link back, you know, those types of things. So I think that there's a lot of ways to do it. Absolutely. I actually would challenge that those conversations you're talking about are usually with people who haven't worked with ClearPoint and your actual clients would be able to tell you what the value is. Because what I always say when people say, how do you measure the value of PR is I say that if you're working on a legitimate strategic campaign with a team that knows what you're doing, you aren't asking those questions because you can see that it's working effortlessly because all of the things are firing off and the opportunities are coming in and you're more in sort of a celebrating wins space. When you're asking those questions, it's not working and you're not doing the right things to achieve the results that you're trying to achieve. Right. So I know we're almost out of time. So I want to ask one final question. Oh, did you have something that you wanted to say? Well, I just had one point. One thing that I think people don't realize when they're wondering too, if the long-term PR program is really working or a branding program Mm -hmm. is really working. And I really learned this trick from, and I put it in my blog from an SEO expert that we work with. And he even says, hey, you know, we'll, we'll bring him in on an account and he'll say, hey, I've noticed that the direct searches for your client are going up, meaning people are searching by the name. Mm. And I love seeing that. And I love seeing that because it really means that the branding and the PR is working. We're getting that brand recognition out there. And a lot of people don't realize that. If you look at your Google Analytics Mm -hmm. and you see the direct searches really soaring, 
that's what's happening. You've got that name recognition. So I love that trick. And, and we will sit down and look at that with some of our clients too. And they will go, wow, I, did, I didn't even that's realize fantastic. That that's really changed over time. Absolutely. Well, you've shared so many interesting things. I'm curious to know from a marketing and PR perspective, what your biggest piece of advice is for businesses that are navigating leadership in this time. What is one thing that somebody could focus on that could really support them in success and or taking things to the next level? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, there's so many, right? There's so many. I would say number one, is make sure that you have an integrated strategy. Mm -hmm. If you have a limited budget, do a little bit of everything. I get a little nervous when we get a prospective client that comes to us and says, okay, we know that if we just do a smart PR campaign, it's gonna change the course of our company, we're going to be successful. And we never take a client like that. Mm -hmm. we, we ask them, what are you doing for digital marketing? What are you doing for advertising? Well, let's take a look at your social media. You really need an integrated strategy. And I think sometimes people are maybe sold on an idea. You mentioned digital media or digital marketing, rather. You know, they're kind of sold on that, right? So mm -hmm. they think all I need to do is do some digital, more digital marketing, maybe digital advertising, and they ignore the other things. They might ignore their social media. They have a Twitter account that they haven't tweeted in a year or two. They aren't doing any PR at all. So, so that would be my first piece of advice. And the second would be, really take a look at your messaging and is that messaging throughout all of your communications i think that's the second one and i and i think that that is really forgotten about by a lot of clients i agree i just want to thank you so much for joining me today bonnie it is so interesting that we work within the same industry but because of our different verticals and the different clients we serve there are some really tangible differences and I feel like the insights you provided are so valuable and I hope that we can connect again. If anyone has any questions specific to this conversation today, please drop them in the comments and we'll get back to you. And until next time, I hope you're out there doing great things. Have a wonderful day. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.